Hello and welcome back to the Bless Up Podcast. My name is Maureen and I'm here to dust off any negative vibes and keep you inspired on your journey of growth in mind, body and soul. With each episode, I'm going to be sharing some incredible insights to help you live well and thrive with joy and purpose. So hit that subscribe button and get ready to bless up. In today's episode, I'm so happy to be joined by the amazing Anushri Gokal. Now, Anushri is actually a dating coach. And today's episode, I pick our brains and we chat all about love and dating and being ghosted and how to get through a breakup and how to build your self-confidence. And if you love the sound of that, keep listening. Go check out Anushri's Instagram page where she is dropping bombs of knowledge on how to navigate dating, especially online. And she also has her very own masterclass, which is called the Manifesting Your Soulmate Masterclass. She's created the Conscious Love Course, and she also has this incredible free Facebook group. It's called Ditch the Dating Drama. Yes, I think we need a bit more of that in our lives. So let's get into it. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah. Okay. So I am a dating coach. That's what I do. Just so funny. It's something that I feel like I fell into. And um, so my journey started. Wow. It started way back before I even like committed to being a dating coach. So this was like my early 20s. I'm 32 years old now. And I feel like I had my whole life like planned um, because I'm from an Indian family. That's what we do. We like plan everything to a T, right? So I went through pharmacy school. I'm a pharmacist. And my parents like set me up with this Indian boy and he was going through med school. Like everything was like perfect, right? Like everything looked really good on paper. An auntie's dream. Oh, totally. I was an auntie's dream. Like I remember going to like my mom's friends places and they would tell their daughters be more like a new tree, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was that kid and we were together for five years and we got engaged and we were engaged for a month and the engagement broke off. And that was a huge, huge turning point in my life because I had followed the plan. I had followed the Indian plan, right? And it didn't work. And that was my first time deciding, I really made this decision that I'm going to start by planning my own life and figuring things out on my own, even if it doesn't look good in my culture. And that was really scary to like become like, you know, this shining star student, like a plus Indian kid to I'm going to be a black sheep now. Right. So I decided to completely move to the other side of the country and I restarted my life. Like I started my career. I decided that I was going to start dating again. I'd never like really dated before. Like I didn't even know like what an app was when I was like 28 years old. I remember 
I was like texting this guy and he wasn't texting me back. And I was telling my friend, like, that's so weird. Like, I hope he's okay. Like I keep texting him. Oh like, I don't know what happened. And she's like, yeah, he ghosted you. And I'm like, wait, what? What's ghosting? Oh, like, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> the, like the yes. traumas of and online dating. Totally, totally. And I think it's just so funny, like how naive I was. Like, I didn't even realize that was a thing. And during this time, like I was really into self-development. I loved podcasts. I love like spirituality and being really woo-woo. And um, it was something that nobody else was into. It was just like something I loved. Like I loved personal development and personal growth. And I'm like, how can I weave this into what I'm doing right now? Like to help women, right? And I kind of looked at my life, like the series of events until now. And I'm like, I need to start like, talking about dating because nobody knows what they're doing and everyone is kind of like not talking about it and like what they go through. And I really want to start talking about dating and viewing it through a spiritual lens. Mm. And it just, it worked. It clicked. I feel like a lot of women connected with my message and what, what, what I was sharing. And now I have the most beautiful clients that come to me and it's like, it doesn't even feel like I'm their coach and they're my client. I even hate saying that. Like, it just, it feels like a party. We talk about like stuff that they're going through, stuff that I had been through and how I can help them. So that is me in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> I think that's quite a story. And um, when I was telling Kajal, my, my flatmate, that I was, I was going to talk to you tonight and I told her, oh, yeah, I knew she's a uh, dating coach. She was like, wow, that's so cool and then I told her that you're also a pharmacist and she lost the plot she was like what <laughs> how is this Indian girl like just <laughs> being an absolute queen but so you were dating Aww. that guy for five years and then you got engaged and then after one month it got called off like how were you feeling at that point of yeah. when it got called off like yeah yeah, I was, I mean, it still brings like tears to my eyes because I just felt so broken at, I, I think I was 25. Yeah. And I felt like it was like the end of my life, you know? And it was like, I was sold this dream that if I do everything that I'm told, then it's going to work out perfectly. And that was my first time being like, oh, actually, it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to, even though I listened to exactly like what my parents taught me to do. And it was my first time. It's a blessing now. Like everything is a lesson and a blessing in disguise. And it was my first time really evolving and growing into the woman that I am where I can make decisions on my own and with total confidence. And I didn't have that confidence back then. I really leaned to look at someone else. And like, I had to look outside of myself in order to get that validation. And now I make decisions from alignment, from my truth, my inner knowing. And even if it goes wrong, I just know that's like another lesson. And it feels so good being able to have that internal guidance, that internal GPS completely on. And I didn't have that back then. So it was a very, very interesting journey and it was hard. Like it was my dark night of the soul and every dark night of the soul is going to be hard. It's going to be rough, but it's what you do afterwards. It's how you rebuild yourself once you 
understand that this is all for your growth. That's amazing. So you literally were like, I can imagine so broken, especially when I've seen friends of mine who've gone through really long term relationships and then they end for whatever reason. You feel so lost. You don't know where you're going to go next. You don't know who you're going to meet. You just feel so like broken. That's why they call it heartbroken, right? But you were able to really like work on yourself. And now you're just so confident within yourself and you're helping other women to do that as well. So really, what did that process look like for you? How did you actually build up your confidence again? Because I think that's one thing that as women, we we have to consciously work on is building up that core confidence within ourselves. Yeah, that is such a beautiful question. That's why I love you so much. So yeah, that's a really good question. Let me think about that. Hmm. So for me, it was just taking one step at a time and figuring out what felt good. And it can be so small. It could be, I'm going to pick up this book today and read it because that's what I'm called to do. And it kind of builds off on its own. So the small steps that you take every day turn into quantum leaps. And that's how you build your confidence is you just turn towards what feels good in the moment. And that could be like crying. It could be writing in your journal. It could be getting this intuitive hit that I'm going to reach out to this girl on Instagram that started life coaching. And now I'm going to talk to her and really uh, see what she has to say. And, you know, kind of what's the word I'm looking for, like pick her brain for wisdom. So it was also like getting into a network of women that were like a few steps ahead of me. And that really helped too. Like, it's also all about just surrounding yourself with the right people that are going to help you build it. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that you firstly need having like mentors and people around you in your community that are really going to build you up and be your hype man when you're at the lowest Mm -hmm. point. That is so important. And people who also are really, you need some people who have that level of wisdom who maybe have gone through a similar experience or can give you some sound advice at a time when every or your brain is just so irrational you're going to like the worst case scenario when you initially like go through a breakup Mm -hmm. right and the other thing that I love that you said was to cry if you want to cry and I think that's one thing that is so important for people to know that it's really important to work through your emotions or just let yourself feel what you're feeling. Because a lot of the time you get told, oh, just think positive, it's fine, it'll blow over. And you don't actually get to process what you feel. Have you ever found that? Yeah, yeah, especially in our culture. Like you're, it's not, like you're not supposed to ever cry. <laughs> you're supposed to basically yeah. like suck it up and put a smile on your face and get back to work, right? Would you say the same? Yeah, it's like, be mm-hmm. strong is like the first word out of anybody's mouth, yeah. right? So I love that you said, mentioned, you know, to cry if you want to cry, have mentors, people around you, like a really good community, and also do fun things yeah. to kind of, and it's the small things that you do every day, the kind of self-love stuff that, really start to build up your confidence. So that's amazing that you said that. How, what advice would you give to someone who's just come out of like a breakup and all they can think about is 
their like partner or ex-partner I should say. yeah yeah so something I want to share with you is that it's so normal to be like completely depressed after a breakup and it's because it's scientific so this person has been like your dopamine source right like you're seeking happiness and love from this person and when it gets taken away it's like a drug and you're going through withdrawal withdrawal basically if you're taking something away from an addict like they're going to want more and more of it so give yourself that space to understand that like your dopamine source has been taken away so be upset about it cry about it hang out with your friends look for love outlets outside of that relationship so that could be like your pet your family your friends and start tapping into those resources to be able to add that dopamine back into your life so i think that's really important and give yourself the space that you need as far as getting extra massages or reading a really good book or even watching so someone said today which i really love and i really appreciate the self-care person i follow on instagram she was like watch tv like that can be therapy too and sometimes we just need to do that you know sometimes it's okay to kind of numb out yeah I, I feel that I feel sometimes you feel so guilty. People feel guilty just doing things that yeah. they enjoy. And why should you feel guilty for that? It's like, it's part of life being able to enjoy the small things, whether that's having a bubble bath or, you know, going out and seeing your friends and you, sh you shouldn't feel bad about that. And it just raise, raises your energy so much, makes you feel so much more positive And like, you start building that life around you again. Totally, yeah. Um, so we're going to play a bit of a this or that. And I've just got three questions, but I think they're fun. So Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, or Bill Mill? Okay, for people who don't know what Bill Mill is, it's like a South Asian dating app. <laughs> yeah, you know, funny, I've never actually been on Bill Mill. It's a minefield. It's a minefield. That's all I can say. Oh, is it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Okay, the only reason I didn't go on it, and I'll tell you why, is because everyone's like, you match with someone and then they're like 5,000 miles away. Like, you can't adjust like the settings. And I'm like, that, no, that no, is no. Also true. Like, I'm not traveling for my man. Like, <laughs> yeah. so that's why I didn't do it. Um, so, okay, this or that, I would say Hinge. I loved Hinge. That's how I found my boyfriend. Yeah, what did you love about Hinge? I loved it because I liked the option of having someone reach out to me as well. And there's nothing wrong on Bumble. Like I never felt awkward, like reaching out to boys and like talking to them and initiating conversation. But it was nice with Hinge that it, it was like a two way street. Like I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And I just I don't know, the quality of men was like a little different on Hinge. So that's something I noticed. It could just be my perception because people meet on Tinder and get married all the time. But I just I had a better experience with Hinge. Um, I feel you on that a little bit because on Hinge, they ask you these questions that 
make you think a little bit more and put something a bit extra on your profile rather than it just being like on the physical. Um, because if you look at some of the other dating apps, they're just a picture. And what can you tell about someone from just a picture? You need Nothing. like a bit of substance, a bit of something to like have that a bit of extra masala, you know, like you need a bit of spice. Yeah. And I feel like Hinge gives you that because you have those questions. It kind of gives you a bit of their personality, something to go off of when you're starting a conversation, mm. which I think is really fun. To be honest, I haven't used Hinge that much because in the UK, I think it's still up and coming. But Bumble, mm. I have used. There's a lot of pressure on guys to start conversations and be like, take the lead and put mm. themselves out there. And I think it's great that there is an app where women can do the same and actually, you know, take control of their own dating lives. Like, why should we always be the ones to sit back and wait for guys to pursue us? Um, so I love that yeah. on Bumble, we get to, um, you know, make the first move. But I do often find it difficult to start a conversation. I'm like, how, mm. trying to think a little bit out of the box to like start that convo and take it somewhere interesting. So do you have any tips for starting conversations on a dating app? Yeah, I love this question because small talk is one of my favorite things and it gets like a bad rap because they're like, oh, small talk is so service. But I think it's so important to develop that art of small talk because it can lead into deeper conversations. So um, a really good tip is I believe on Bumble now they have captions. So like there's a question and you can like answer the question about yourself. And I would just ask a question around their answer. So if someone, for example, the question is like, what do you, what, what's a typical Sunday look like for you? And someone answers like kind of the standard, I love brunch and yoga and blah, blah, blah. Well, you can always be like, oh my gosh, like where do you like to go out for brunch? What are some of your favorite places? Or where do you do yoga? And that can lead to, oh, I do yoga here. And you can say, oh, well, I go over here to like meet up sometime and do a yoga date. So do you kind of see how like the conversation can go that way? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Just kind of taking what they give you, that little bit of a tidbit of a lead and then flowing with it. So cool. So I was in the middle of a game, but I got sidetracked because, you know, you do. Um, so number two, <laughs> who pays on the first date? What are your thoughts? Oh, that is such a good question. So you know what? I've never really thought about this enough. I just feel like whatever feels natural. Like, I think it's all about the vibe and the mood because I don't think there should be like a one answer, like, and that's like going to be the rule until the end of time. So I would just feel into it. Like a lot of times for me, the guys have ended up paying first and then the second date, usually like we split and then the third date, like, you know, mm. so I think it just depends. So I think if we really, if you really want a definite answer, it's who asks who out first. So if you ask someone out, I think you should pay. Yeah. I love that you said that. I have <laughs> always been off the let's split because I don't ever want to feel like, mm -hmm. oh, I feel obliged then to like go on another day or it gets into your psyche, you know, if someone pays for me it does anyway so I'm just like let's split it uh, but it's always yeah. nice to get offered which I know mm -hmm. is a bit controversial because it's like if you're going to split it if you're going to go down the like you know not the traditional route why does it bother you if they don't offer yeah but hey then my third question is 
on a first date, would you prefer a dinner date or mini golf? Oh, how fun. Mm, definitely dinner date. Yeah. I am. I love like talking. I want to sit down and eat with someone. I'm going to see if they, are, they have like good eating habits or they have gross manners. Like I want to know. And I feel like it's easier to do that like on a dinner date. Cause like you're looking at someone like face to face and you can tell if like someone's telling the truth, if they're being genuine, like I've gotten really good at like reading people. So I would definitely have to say a dinner date. Oh my God. That's so interesting. I <laughs> would, I have been on dinner dates for a first date and actually they've been the ones that I've really enjoyed because you actually get to have a full proper conversation. It's just the two of you. You're just enjoying mm-hmm. it. But I've also, I've gone my fair share of like mini golf dates. (laughs) And I love that too, because you're having an activity. There's something to like dissipate the awkwardness initially, if you don't really know them and like you're meeting for the first time. So both go in my opinion. Okay. What's your life mantra? Ooh, life mantra. I would say... I'm all about energy these days. So my, my life mantra is that my level of energy is not dictated by my outside circumstances. And how do you maintain a good energy within yourself? Because it's so easy if you let it for outside, like other people's comments or, you know, how when you walk into a room and other people have low energy for that to affect you, how do you maintain your, your good energy and feel good within yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely don't want to give your audience like the wrong message that like, I'm always in an amazing mood and everything is perfect. Like I have really shitty days too, and that's okay. But I would say for like 90% of the time I'm feeling really good. And what I do to really maintain that is I just decide, like I literally, it's just a decision. Like that's how simple it is. I think we overcomplicate it with like, our morning routines, which, you know, this bitch loves a morning routine. But you so, do. You, you know, actually I, do. <laughs> I do one every day, but it's just, it really comes down to deciding and uh, really making sure that you are taking care of your physical health. Your physical health is so important. I think we take it for granted and we overwork ourselves and we overexercise and we do all these things to like fit into a box that society like expects us to live inside. But it's all about just taking care of your health. That's how like your energy can be maintained. So it's hydrating, it's eating right, it's getting outside, it's moving in whatever capacity that is. And when I do those things, I feel my best. If someone says something to me, that's like, oh, that was like kind of a negative comment or that didn't feel good. I would say at this point, I've gotten used to it. Like I sometimes, I don't usually anymore, but sometimes like you get a hater comment on social media and you just understand that that is a reflection of how they're feeling because we're all mirrors of each other. So what you see in someone else is a reflection of how you feel about yourself inside. And when you can get to that level of understanding, it kind of rolls off your back. That's amazing. I love that yeah. you kind of picked up that on how we, there's a real connection between the mind and body. I really believe that. And what how you exercise your body, how you take care of your body is going to affect your mind and vice versa. And also that 
we kind we do have to build up a little bit of a block to other people's opinions and and what they say and that is that I think that takes time as well to build that resilience and it takes years of work especially for me to kind of unpick the need to please the need for other people to like you mm-hmm. I know you've posted about this before about kind of being a people pleaser in recovery could you just comment on that like how did you actually work through that oh my gosh thousands of dollars okay <laughs> But I don't want you to spend thousands of dollars if you're listening to this. So I'll give you like my juicy tips. So it comes to boundaries. I think people pleasers just don't have good boundaries. And that's why they let people walk all over them. And it comes from codependency. And being codependent means you really want everyone to like you, right? You want to feel validated all the time. And okay. I don't need validation. I can validate myself and I'm going to start doing things that make me feel good because when I feel my best, when my cup is full, then I can over, it will overflow and I can take care of the people that mean the most to me. So it's almost like if you are people pleasing, you're being selfish, to the people that you care about the most, because you're so drained at the end of the day that you're going to treat whoever is around you like shit. And that's, your friends and your family. So that was like a huge realization for me. And to the people that are listening, they're like, oh, shoot, like I, I people please start really small. That's how I did it. So for example, when my friends would come over, I would tell them, okay, uh, I would text them. So we're going to hang out until 11 o'clock tonight. And then I'm going to bed because I like going to bed early. And it's really <laughs> hard so for me to- Yeah. And in the moment, like you feel bad about kicking out your friends. You feel like you're like this loser friend. And I had to like make this decision that like, it it doesn't serve me anymore. If I don't get enough sleep, then I can't create content. If I can't create content, then I have nothing to post on social media. I don't feel my best. I don't feel like working out the next day. So it's almost like the snowball effect. So I would say take really, really small steps every day Mm. to work on that people recovery and I feel like it is an act of self-love just to be like you know this is a priority for me and actually to be able to voice that and not feel bad about it and not feel like people are judging you or want to please people to want them to like you or whatever Um, I really do feel like Mm. it is an act of self-love to be able to put those boundaries in place and to start small as you say And Mm -hmm. once you start voicing the little things, then the big things come a lot easier, which I think is amazing. And it's something that we all need to practice. And I, and I think people pleasing is so much more problematic in women. I don't see many men who go through this. They they, they just just think, what's the problem? Like, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. They, I don't think Mm -hmm. they analyze as much as women do. And if we're aware of it, then we can start to slowly process through that, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think so too. You know, when I see you on um, social media, I always see that you you read 
so, so much. And you're always wanting to learn and absorb so much knowledge so that you can share that with other people. And I just think that's amazing. So how were you always that way? How did you kind of build that into your routine? Yeah, that's such a good question. So I have like two answers to this. So first, I've always loved reading. It's like my favorite thing. It's my love of my life. And I often joke that like books are my best friends. <laughs> apart from Jeannie so, Beanie, who's your actual best friend. <laughs> yeah, apart from her. <laughs> I love that girl. <laughs> um, So for the people who don't know who Jeannie Beanie is, she makes a regular appearance on my Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> I just look like a stalker now, but I know that. Oh my God. <laughs> no, that's fine. A lot of people ask about Jeannie Beanie. It's all good. So yeah. So, okay. For the people that like want to read more, I would say start with stuff that you love. Start there. And that really helped me build my habit of reading every day. And now it's just something that like I have to do. Like I want to start my day reading. It's something that I love. And I've always just wanted to be the best version of myself. And when people hire me to coach them, I want to make sure that I am doing everything I can to grow to be able to provide for them and support them. So that's really important. The second thing is, and you're aware of this, I feel like it's like an overdrive now because my dad recently passed away last year. Um, this was like during the height of COVID. So like, you know, on top of him passing away, like COVID, right? It was really, really tough. And I had this huge breakthrough that, wow, like this life that we live is it's so precious. And I'm sure everyone understands that like on a core level, but when you experience it, it really hits you in the face. And I'm like, we, no one knows like how much time they have. I just want and absorb as much as I can, because it's one of my favorite things. So I'm going to do it whenever I have the time to. So it's, it's like a passion of mine. I, I can't, I can't turn off, you know? It's so true that we do, we, we know that life is, is not forever and that it is finite. And one day we will all come to the end of it, but it's not something that you think about on a daily basis. And for me, I've also started to just remind myself of that. And I remember listening to Jim Quick, who's an amazing brain coach. So he, he always says this thing that, you know, if you, if you're scared of what other people will think, remember that one day you'll be taking your last breaths and you won't be worried about what so-and-so said about you. You will only be thinking of how much you lived, how much you loved, how much you laughed, how much you spent time with your family and friends and went for the things that you were passionate about and not, not about what anyone else thinks. And you'll want to just take yes. and use up everything in life that you can actually uh. grasp. And I feel like that's something that I think about a lot and how to squeeze out every last drop, you know, and really make the most of the time that we have here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when this kind of like clicked into place for me, mm -hmm. but since then I've really just been trying to maximize what I do with my life, like how I can impact, how I can serve and just try and be, try and be a light really. And there's so much negativity and so much darkness around. And if we can really mm -hmm. take our voice and 
what we do for a living or how we interact with our friends and family and even the strangers around us if we can do that in a way that really creates some some love isn't isn't that amazing It's so amazing. I, so funny. I just watched this YouTube of Marie Forleo and she talked about this book. I think it's called the four regrets of the dying. And one of them was, we just, we're not, we don't have as much fun. Like they were people that are dying regret not having fun in their life also. And that's something I incorporate too. Like I, I will dance in the streets and I will do a high kick to strangers. I think we just need to bring a bit more fun into our lives. I was watching Marie Folio. She posted something the other day and she was like, you should just make everything into a party. Even the small things like cleaning up the dishes or, you know, making dinner, going out for a walk, make it a party, make it fun. Why do we take life so seriously sometimes? And yeah, yeah. Like why, why don't we do that? Like, why can't we just be silly every day? Right. And you do it so well, too. You know, I really try and do that. I try and bring like an energy of fun to the things that I do. So even when I'm on the ward, I'll be like, <laughs> I'm like singing to people, dancing a little bit, trying to just bring a bit of life back into stuff. Because sometimes we get so stuck in our heads about like the stressful things and the annoyances <laughs> that we just forget to have fun. Yes. More twerking. More. That's what I have to say. More twerking. More twerking. Yeah. you went to Bali on a retreat a couple of years ago um and I just I've always wanted to ask you about that Mm -hmm. like what what made you want to go what was the process like and how has it changed you oh we can talk about this all day like Bali everyone needs to go to Bali if you're listening to this this is your sign once COVID ends get a ticket go to Bali okay done done (laughs) so the Yes. So I went to Bali because I was just ready to grow more spiritually. And I wanted to make friends that were also like on the same vibrational level as me. So yes, I went on a spiritual retreat. There was a lot of breath work. There was a lot of meditation and I was ready to just heal. I wanted to really heal and expand. So for me, I was recovering from a different breakup. I went through, I went through like another whole serious relationship after my engagement. Don't ask why I was 25 and, you know, making all sorts of decisions that were not good for me. Yeah. So I got into a very, very serious relationship right after my engagement, which I don't recommend. And uh, that was really hard for me. That was something that I had to work on. And I'm like, this, that was my intention going to Bali. I'm like, I really want to meditate. I really want to get in touch with the universe and I want to heal from this relationship. So it was so beautiful going to Bali because we didn't have this. We didn't have our devices on a blade in the jungle. I swam naked with my friends and it was great. And I did all of the crazy woo woo things that people find kind of of like odd I got to do that I went to a healer and (laughs) okay I hope it's okay to share this on your podcast but um he okay he basically like he tapped into everyone's energy in the group right and he was like oh you need to do this you need to work on this like you need to heal this and then he like tapped on me and he was like you have too much sex like you oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So like, it was little things like that. Like it was like my becoming trip, like very, very Liz Gilbert. And I remember on the last day we did like a 45 minute breath work and then like a really long meditation afterwards. And I remember in this meditation, I was so deep and I remember like being in this apartment. This was so weird. This was like next level being in this apartment. And I was sitting next to my ex-boyfriend and I'm like, all right, it's time for you to leave. Like it's time, it's time to break this energetic cord. And I remember like holding his hand. This is so weird and walking him outside of the apartment. And I'm like, all right, it's time to go our separate ways. And then after that, like I never had dreams about him again. Like I felt really great. Like I felt like I had finally healed and it happened so quickly. And so I, I feel like I really got what I needed out of that trip. And I feel like Bali just does that to you. It's something I can't explain, wow. but has major healing. Vibes. Eat, pray, love did not lie. <laughs> Eat, pray, love no, did it didn't. not lie. Bali is the one. It did not. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get myself there now. Wow, that sounds yeah. like quite an experience. And was that something that you were expecting or was it just totally out of the blue? It wasn't something I was expecting. Like it was an intention that I had. And I kind of surrendered to it. So I think that really helps. It's like having an intention, having a goal, having a desire, like you should have it, but also surrender to it. Because when you surrender, something better can happen and something that you didn't expect can come into your life. So that's a really important piece that I'm really glad that I used and I harnessed when I went on that trip. I think it's amazing that in that meditation, you literally was sat next to your ex-boyfriend and in that moment you were able to cut the cord and then like close the door a bit and move on so much better that's that's incredible Mm -hmm. and I know that you meditate quite regularly every day in the morning Mm -hmm. can you talk a bit about that yeah I would say it all just comes down to habit so For me, meditating now is like brushing my teeth. It literally is. I think I've just done it so much every single day that I just have to do it now. So I just recommend getting into the habit. Like there's no other way. Meditation sounds really boring. It can be really boring. It was boring for a very long time for me, but now I have everything set up on my couch. Like my couch is like my Zen den. I have like my journal out, my Oracle cards, my tarot cards, you know, my crystals. So when I wake up in the morning, I will heat up my tea kettle. I will pour myself a coffee and a hot lemon water. And then I hop to my couch and then I meditate. So like, it's like this routine that I've created and I'm just so used to doing it. I don't even think about it anymore. ghosted what do you tell them and they're just so they're so confused they're so like lost in the moment what do you tell them when they get ghosted ah yeah such a good question because I've been ghosted so many times that I don't even want to tell you the number it's embarrassing I just don't (laughs) understand firstly why people ghost like if you're not interested just 
say you know I think there's a great a bit of class that comes with being able to just say hey like I'm not feeling it anymore bye that's it literally just takes that much right so yeah definitely so I would say to ghosters like karma is a real thing don't ghost because it's going to catch up later (laughs) secondly if you're getting ghosted what yeah what should you do so first off I don't think people mean it to cause harm I think people do it because they are afraid to have any sort of confrontation. I think we live in a world where we are so attached with technology that we're hiding behind our phones that we don't ever really need confrontation. So just remember that. And also sometimes people are just lazy. Like sometimes people have like a lot going on in their lives and you're last on their list. I know that's like really hard to hear and that might be like, oh my gosh. But just know that it's never, it's not you. It's never going to be you. It's on them. Ghosters suck. And if you feel like it, like if you feel like someone has ghosted you, definitely text them. Let them know that what you're doing is wrong. Stop doing it. And it may not be the closure that you need. I think that's why ghosting is so hard because there's no closure. It's just like, poof, like they're gone, (laughs) you know? So if you're seeking that closure, text them and let them know what you did sucked. Stop doing that to other people. And the best advice I have is to move on. I love how you said that. It's literally nothing to do with you if someone goes. Like, Mm -hmm. it's everything to do with them and what their headspace is like and that they're not ready for whatever the relationship or to speak to you. They're just not in the right space. It's actually nothing to do with you. And sometimes people can get into this mindset where they start blaming themselves. Like, what did I do for them to ghost after so long we've been messaging or dating or whatever? And really it's so important to remember that everyone has their own backstory and you don't know what's going on in their mind but you do know how you can respond to the situation and as you say it's really hard because you don't get closure but I wonder whether if we just make take closure for ourselves that you know this person is ghosted clearly they're not interested clearly they're not the right person for me and there's someone better waiting that's closure enough and then Mm -hmm. decide to move on and then once you've made that decision, I just feel like it's so much easier to continue with your life and in your dating process. Yes, rejection is redirection. stay friends with your ex or keep them on social media after you've broken up Ooh, ooh, girls is so good because you yeah you you know what my answer is so again there's no hard and fast rules okay I want you to ditch the rules but if you're coming to me I'm like kind of a tough love coach so I'm going to give it to you straight and that is just block them I think that it's really hard to be friends with someone that you had a relationship with unless there's like absolutely zero feelings. And for the most part, 
people really aren't honest with themselves, right? Like you can tell yourself, oh, I'm just friends with him. Like, I don't feel anything for him. But deep down you do. It's really hard to get like that honesty, that level of honesty with yourself. So for me personally, I would say remove them on social media because why do you need them in your life, right? And I think a lot of people, including me, hello, like I'm going to be honest here. We sometimes keep people on our social media just so we can make them jealous. So then we can show them like what we're up to and how much better our lives are. And that's a low vibration. Like that's, you know, that's a low frequency. You don't need that frequency in your life. If like you are a light, you're a magnetic being, you're so worthy. You don't need to show someone else that you're doing well. So I think the easiest answer is just get rid of them. And when you do that, you're actually cutting ties from your past. It's an energetic cord that you're deciding to cut off so you can make space for someone that does fit into your life, for someone that is clearly meant to be in your life. I love how you said like cut that cord because I feel like social media people use it as this like one last tie to that person they just want to cling on and we've all been there but when you still have them on the social media it takes up so much of your brain space because then you're thinking oh my gosh if I post this will they see it what will they think you know oh my gosh I want them to see how fine and fire I look tonight when really like you need to be moving on with your life and you can't do that if they're taking up so much space in your mind because they're still occupying their space on your phone, which is half yeah. of our lives, really, isn't it? Um, and I find that once you've deleted them, it's a it's a relief, right? It's like this has ended. I can now move on. It's such it's a release of anxiety. It's a release of that old energy. It's a release of pain. Um, and I, I really think it's super important as well. Um, and I think there's no need to be like messaging them after you've, after it's ended, like, what's the point? You're just going to tempt yourself to try and rekindle something that wasn't working. And what I like to share, yeah, I'd love to add on to that. And what I love to share with my clients is always embody the future version of you. So is the future version of you still texting her ex when she's in a relationship with someone? Probably not, right? So if she's not doing that, then the present you needs to stop so you can meet the future version of yourself even faster. You can manifest that even faster. Yeah. And it's like being able to forgive the past so then you can just move on with your future right and I love that you say you you try and live as your future self would and I love kind of doing visualization exercises of who I want to be and then really trying to step into those shoes and and live that Mm -hmm. and I think that is basically manifesting right where you you're kind of creating what your life what you want your life to look like who you want to be and then starting to do that in small tiny baby steps every day and eventually you create that life for you yourself which I think Mm -hmm. is amazing so good so juicy okay so I have so many more questions for you but I think we have talked a lot today 
and I would love to have you back on the podcast. Um, but before you go, you're an amazing dating coach. Just a final word for the listeners. What message do you want to give someone who is really feeling so negative about dating and they've kind of lost hope and they think that they're just not going to find anyone on their, on their level and they're finding it super hard right now? What, what would you say to them? Yeah. So what I'd say to them is that you are a piece of source. You come directly from source. So you are worthy of anything you desire. And even though it has not happened on your timeline yet, it's going to at some point. Like if you've had the thought, it's going to manifest into reality. That's just the way it works. So don't give up hope. And it's almost like I like to use the analogy of applying for a job or desiring like a goal weight. Like you don't just give up, like you keep going, even if it's hard, even if it sucks. So I really like to apply that philosophy to dating. So even if like the first 50 dates didn't work out, keep going, keep dating people, have so much fun doing it. And when you can apply that vibration of fun and knowing and certainty, and yes, my desire is on its way, then you show up differently. And when you show up differently, that's when the relationship comes in. That's when the job comes in. That's when money, like checks come to you. Like literally I had a check come to me today in the mail. I don't even know what it's from, but I got a check in the mail and I'm like, Yes, because I am a high vibrational being and this vibration is available to anyone. Yeah, I love that. What does bless up mean to you? Ooh, that's a really good question. Bless up to me means embodying the highest version of yourself. That's what bless up is. Like bless up to me is like a vibe. It's like high frequency. It's like wear whatever you want, dance in the streets, let everyone know you love them. And I mean, this human thing, it's so precious. It's a gift. Live it, dude. Live it and have so much fun. That's bless up to me. That's incredible. I love that. What an amazing note to end the podcast on. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Anushree. And to anybody who's listening, you can go to Anushree's page. Guess what? She's got this amazing course launching next week. Um, And it's the Conscious Love Course. And honestly, I know she's going to be dropping bombs in there. And especially about how to build yourself up, build your confidence, learn how to build, make boundaries and date in a conscious, spiritual way, which is a bit different to what we get told in magazines and um, on social media. So I think you guys are going to love that. Thank you very much, everyone.